Welcome to the seventh episode of the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm your host, Jeff Rutherford. Stay tuned for my co-host, Elaine Poplin, and I's interview with quilter Jay Lapache. Stay tuned for the interview. Welcome back to the Quilting Stories podcast. I'm joined on today's podcast by my co-host, Elaine Poplin, a quilter from Huntsville, Alabama. And our guest today is quilter Jay Lapache. Jay is a quilter in Northern California. She's also a very active blogger, writing about her quilting on her blog at artquiltmaker.com. Jay, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Jeff. Thanks, Elaine. Well, I have a couple questions for you. I was looking through your Instagram feed and wanted to know what you would des- how you would describe the quilts that you are currently making or have recently made. Well, uh, my quilts are really all about color, and I'm always trying to find the perfect combination of colors, and that can be mostly I work with cool colors, but Lately, I've also done some quilts in warm colors, but I would say my quilts are about color. Do you have favorite colors? Have you found the fa- the perfect combination yet? Because you know, I'm on a quest, <laughs> so I'm always thinking. Well, no, I haven't. One of my favorite colors is turquoise, and what I've been trying for a long time to do with turquoise is find the perfect calm quilt quilt color combination and somehow I just never quite make it but I keep trying so um I'll get there one day I think I'm always getting closer (laughs) and so what does your stash look like uh well I've been a quilt maker since about 1988 so it is kind of large (laughs) I have taken over a closet in my house, and since I live in California, that real estate is valuable. But I've taken over a closet in my house, and I have my um, fabric all in plastic bins. The area I live in is, is relatively humid. I live on the coast, so there's a lot of fog, and I keep my fabric in the bin so that it won't get moldy or icky. Um, So I have about, I don't know, 25 bins of fabric, but my fabric has outgrown the bin. So I have a couple of piles on the floor and a couple of other piles in the closet. And I'm trying to work through them. For the past few years, I've had a goal of using 100 yards of fabric net and I haven't made it yet, but I always get close. That's and awesome. I'm, start, I'm starting to see some extra space. My goal is to get that fabric off the floor. But one thing I've found is that quilts don't take as much fabric as you think they do. No, and the scraps reproduce when you're not looking. I can't figure out how they do that. I know. But it always feels yeah. like I have more at the end than I started with. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I I make a lot of donation quilts for my guild, and one of the projects that I have going is using my scraps for those quilts. So I've been improv piecing like slabs of fabric and then cutting them into blocks. And usually I have been doing rectangles and then putting those together as quilts, but I've also been doing just slabs of improv piecing until they get to be 45 or 50 inches and then handing those over to one of my guildmates to quilt as a donation quilt. I'm on the blue bin right now and I'm halfway through my third quilt just from scraps. Wow. So how big are these bins did you say? They're small. They're like a small drawer size, maybe eight by 12 and two and a half inches high. 
And okay. my scraps are small. I cut up my scraps into other size pieces. So these are the sizes once I cut five inch, two and a half inch, one and a half by two and a half, a whole bunch of different sizes until I can't cut anymore. <laughs> so they're really small. Okay. Have you, have you ever seen Bonnie Hunter's uh, scrap system? Did you model it yeah. on that? Or? Yeah, I don't do her exact scrap system. I do one, two and a half inch squares because those are universally useful. I have my own sort of system, which is I sort of plan ahead for quilts that I want to make in the future. And if I know they're going to be a scrap quilt, I cut for those sizes. So every year I look at what quilts I'm thinking of making and what sizes they need and cut for those. Wow. I am not that much of a planner. So go you. <laughs> yeah. So, so can you tell us how you got started on your quilting journey? Yes, it is hilarious. Well, I think it's hilarious. So I had my first job in the legal department of Bank of America. And I was friends with the IT person who back in the dark ages was shockingly a woman and we were both sort of technology oriented. I actually had a computer in college, which was very unusual at the time. Um, so I was interested in technology and, and we were friends and we would go out for drinks after work and things. And one day she said to me, I want to, take this quilting class. It was at a local adult school and I think it cost $18 for the entire semester, not including supplies. And I thought, oh my God, quilts are what grandmas make. I don't really want to <laughs> do that. But um, I wanted to hang out with her and I thought, I know how to sew and that's fine. And my the women in my family are huge needlewomen. My great-grandmother tatted amazing lace for collars and doilies until, you know, the entire house was covered with doilies. And <laughs> my grandmother... Yeah, we'll um, that. Thank you for I'm sorry? When you cover the cat, you've gone too far. They don't really like it when you make them clothes out of it. <laughs> yeah. Uh, my grandmother made lingerie. She would. She made my mother and my aunt um, dance dresses every week. They had a dance at their school every week when they were in high school, and she would make them new dresses every week. And she crocheted. And, I mean, it's just in my family. And we did crafts as a kid. We did all sorts of different crafts. My first job, actually... My first ever job was in a stained glass store. So I did stained glass before I did quilt making. And there are a lot of similarities. So I, anyway, I decided that I would take this class with my friend. And it was a sampler class. It used Diana Leone's like sampler quilt book, which I still refer to. And um, we went to this school and we took this adult class. And after like four blocks, she said, I don't want to do this anymore. But I was <laughs> I loved it. And I got an issue of Quilter's newsletter and I figured out how to draft blocks and made different blocks for the quilt that we were making. And it was great. I took that class three times. So my total investment was 18 times three plus all the fabric. And someone gave me a sewing machine. So the sewing machine was free. Nice. It was great. And, and the hilarious part is that, I mean, another hilarious part is that our teacher scared the living daylights out of us about rotary cutters. She's like, you are all beginners and rotary cutters are for advanced people. So no rotary cutters. So I learned to use scissors and templates and it's, 
Wow. Gone on from there. Of course, I don't know <laughs> very often now. My mom used to pay my brothers to cut out block parts with scissors. She would trace them with a template and then they would cut. Oh my she, gosh, that's great. Yeah, so from before before the rotary cutter was really around. So she's, I, I can relate. I mean, I was too little for that. By the time I came around, she had, she was one of the early adopters of the rotary cutter. But yeah, it's, that's kind of fun though. Do, are you still friends with the IT friend that you took the class Did with? She was. Are you still friends with the woman you took the class with? No, I've looked for her over the years and she disappeared off the face of the earth. I'm not sure what happened. Uh -huh. You know, it's one of those things that you just lose touch it when you change jobs. I guess. Yeah. I don't know. She really didn't like the class. I guess not. <laughs> Was she amused that you did, though? She made you go no, and then you liked it? I, I don't remember. I don't remember <laughs> anything about that job after I started that quilt class. I w must have been so consumed by the quilt class. <laughs> yeah, I, th I think we all can get that. Um, noticed you make you make a lot of bags. I am also an, you know addicted to making bags. Do you have a favorite bag pattern that you like? Oh, it's really hard to choose because every week. I see a new bag. It's my new favorite. <laughs> I do I do really like Sarah Lawson's patterns, so sweetness. And one of her bags is um the Petrillo bag. It's an older bag. I bought I bought it a few years ago before she did the minikins and some of the the video bags. I don't know if that pattern has a bag, but it's just it's a great shape. It's it has some really clever um features on it. I mean, making the handles and putting the front panel on is genius, I think. Oh, cool. Um, I'll have to check that I, one out. Yeah, I really like her patterns. They're very well done. They're very clear. Even without a video, they're very clear. But I also, I did the um, Crafty Gemini Organizer Club a few years ago. I think it was 2018. Mm -hmm. And those projects are great as well. They, she has one in that group. It's the all rolled up tote. It's like a supersized version of the sew together bag. Oh, it's yes. It's about four times the size of a regular sew together bag. It's awesome. Wow. And the sew together bag, I call it my Mary Poppins bag because it's insane how much that little thing can carry. I know. So imagine a four times the size version. Wow. Can sneak yeah, all I, kinds put, of stuff. I put handles on mine because it was just, I couldn't figure out how to carry it and not have <laughs> stuff fall out <laughs> if it didn't have handles. So the quilts that you make, uh, do you, do you follow commercial patterns? Do you um, come up with your own designs? Is it a mix? It's a mix. Mostly I don't buy patterns for quilts. Very occasionally I do if I see something really clever. I When I started quilting, there were no quilt patterns. I mean, not in the same way that we think of them now. People would make blocks and put the blocks together in different ways. So I'm not, I was never used to using patterns. Um, but now people do have some clever designs. So I buy one or two occasionally, but also I can look at a pattern most of the time and figure out how to make it. Because one of the things that I learned that isn't really taught now is block structure. So, you know, like a four patch is four squares, but you can divide it up into HSTs and have a pinwheel, but it's still a four patch. And so, if you can figure that out, then you can make a quilt. Now, I, if I'm going to make a quilt that somebody else has designed, I do support the independent makers and buy the pattern. But 
it's pretty easy for the most part to figure out how to make a quilt if you know block structure, I think. I agree. I I will post pictures of things I'm working on and people inevitably will always ask me if there's a pattern for that. And I it's, know. Well, no, but <laughs> it's a long cabin. <laughs> yeah, I think that's a real disservice in, in the way classes are taught now. I mean, I committed to this, I don't know, 15-week class when I was making my sampler quilt. And I realized that that's really hard for people now. But I did it in the evenings after work. It was once a week or whatever. But I learned so much in that class. I not only learned about block structure, but I learned all the techniques that you really need to make any block. You know, people are so scared of Y-seams. Y-seams aren't that difficult if you sew slowly and you know what you're doing. Um, I mean, hand applique is not a favorite of mine, but I know how to do it. So if I need to create a certain effect in one of my quilts, then I can do it. And I think that kind of knowledge is really valuable. Right. Yeah. To know how to break the rules, you ought to know the rules. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah, I agree. I mean, and I have trouble following patterns just because my I, my mind wanders and I wonder, what if I change it this way and then I play? Yeah, so. I know what you mean. I read a pattern and I think, wait, what is this saying? So <laughs> the videos are very helpful now. And I don't know if it's my comprehension or if it's that there's not a real standard way of writing patterns or what the problem is. Well, a lot it's of all people, me, though. a lot of pattern writers are just not accustomed to making handouts anymore. And so uh, the first pattern I wrote, it's very, very difficult to uh, put things that to me are just appear in my head as points and grunts and nonverbal <laughs> into instructions. So I didn't I had never really fully appreciate fully appreciated that till I tried to do it. But it's not easy to do. No, it isn't. I've been trying to write a pattern for a long time and I'm still not there because I want to put too much information in it, I think, because I'm not right. there teaching the person. Right. And, and how, you know, how can you get your hand flapping to come across? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. And some things, I mean, you shouldn't have to tell someone how to sew together a four patch or a nine patch. I mean, that's so basic, but I get it that people don't always learn in the same way. So yeah. What's, what's the pattern that you've been thinking about or working on? Um, well, it's my own pattern and I call it window panes. It's has, it uses two, two and a half inch squares. So it's really not, it's a bunch of, four patches and and strips and and background um and it's all squares it's nothing fancy it's just has a really good effect i think and the thing that i like about it is so it's basically two and a half inch squares but if you use one and a half inch squares then you have a baby quilt or if oh, you yeah, use yeah. Five and a half inch squares, then you have a super big quilt. Um, but I just can't seem to get it all down on a page or 50 pages, knowing how <laughs> verbal I am, um, so that it could be sold somewhere. So I'll work on it some more. Maybe I'll get there one day. Uh, well, I mean, just keep plugging away at it. That's sort of my approach to it. I've got one that's been in process for over a year, and I'll get to it eventually. I'll finish it. It just takes a while. So. Yeah. And I really don't want quilt making to be my job. I mean, if it gave me a passive income, that would be fine. But it's really what I do to relax. So I kind of want to keep it that way. I don't want to be hustling for business all yeah, the time. I feel that. <laughs> Absolutely. So, um, I noticed that you made the Bonnie Hunter Frolic. Was that your first one? 
The Bonnie Hunter frolic? Yeah, the frolic quilt. This past mystery? Um, yes, I've made that. It's being quilted now. It is the second one that I've done. I always save the directions, but I usually don't sew along because it's Christmas. Right. But I did this time, and I was kind of sorry because it was really complicated. Um, but <laughs> was it was a lot of sewing. Yeah, it was a lot of sewing. Not complicated in the way that I couldn't do it because I really do like blocks that have a lot of pieces. But it was just a lot of sewing. And some of it was kind of strange. The way she put things together was kind of strange, I thought. And I saw how it all worked out when it came together. And I'm not criticizing her at all because she does fabulous things for the cult community. Um, I I don't like half blocks either in quilts. I think if you're going to make a block, just finish it. But <laughs> uh, I have opinions about quilt making. That's okay. That's good. Yeah. Um, I think I think but, some of I think some of hers is she's trying to fit it into that clue format and 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 not give it away immediately so i think sometimes it can feel a little bit when you're doing it week by week with the clues once you look at it finished it, it looks you know you can see where i you would have done it differently yeah i think that's true and i tried to do it differently and then i just gave up because since it was a mystery there was just no way to know what was going on um and I think I wish she would take more time because I think some of the clues, they should be two clues or four clues in some cases, but it's free. She always, all of her measurements and everything always work. So I really can't complain. Sure. Well, I mentioned earlier your, your blog. How did you get started blogging? Your blog is an excellent journal and document of your quilting and making process. What keeps you engaged with blogging? Um, well, it's turned into kind of my diary of quilt making, I guess. I started, I think, because everybody else was doing it, but I didn't really figure out what to write about until a year or so in. And then I decided that I would do it for me. I wasn't, I didn't have a lot of readers and I still don't have tons. I mean, some some people have hundreds of thousands, and that's not me. When I figured out that I just wasn't going to do the things required to get a ton of people following, I would just do it for me. So the reason I stay engaged is because I use it as a tool. I think, oh, didn't that quilt have a quarter square triangle in it? I need an example of a quarter square triangle. Let me go find that and I'll search my blog and find whatever I'm looking for. Or when did I make that quilt? Or when did I finish that quilt? Which are not the same thing, I'll point out. <laughs> um, so it's a resource for me. And it's never completely up to date. I do have a gallery, but I'm constantly behind putting my finished quilts in because it really is more important for me to sew than to write in my blog, although writing in my blog comes in second. And I do try and keep up with it most days. Um, I just, I really like it. At one point, I wanted to improve my writing also, and that's a good way to do it. You think of different ways to phrase things, no dangling participles, um, try not to use the word thing, those sorts of of tasks I set for myself to make it a better read and to improve my writing as well. So now it's really just a part of my life. I, I think, oh, did I write today? And if I don't know, I go look. And if I didn't, then I'll try and write something. I do try and write ahead so that if I get busy, there are still posts posting. So in sewing, I'm usually ahead of what my blog says I am, but three years down the road, it doesn't really matter. Right. <laughs> that one. 
All right. Um, so speaking of blogging and looking back at old quilts for inspiration and to find a good example, what inspires a new quilt for you? How do you find your next quilt? Well, I have a list of quilts I want to make, but for a while I have been trying to clear out my UFO list, which when I started doing that, I don't know, it was maybe five years ago, maybe more, I don't remember. There were 26 things on my UFO list, and I said, this is crazy. You have to stop. <laughs> you can't start <laughs> things if you're not going to finish them. Because half-finished projects take up a lot of space, and then you find some fabric, and you go, oh, I'm going to use this for this new thing. And then you go to do the UFO, and you're like, oh, I use this fabric for something else. So it wasn't really working for me. So I started working through all those projects that I have. And that's not to say that I haven't started new projects because I have. But sometimes the old quilts inspire something new. Sometimes uh, there's a sew along and it's interesting. So I'll do that. Sometimes I want to learn something new. So I'll start something new, but I'm really trying to be disciplined that if I start something, I finish it. And, and that could be that I make a few blocks and go, this really isn't for me, or this test that I started, I don't want to finish. So I'll make a table runner or I'll use four or five quilt, four or five blocks and a couple of borders and make it into a donation quilt or, but I do try, I'm really trying hard to finish things and not put them in a bin and say, oh, I'll do it later. And what I found in this exercise is that when I've stopped working on something, it's because I don't know what to do next, or I don't have a skill to finish it, or there's some other problem that I have to resolve, and I'm not in a place to resolve it right then. One quilt that has been hanging around since 2011, it's the quilting. I don't quilt a lot of quilts, and but I decided to quilt this one, and it's just laying around. It's <laughs> waiting. I don't want to do it. What's Have that? you finished the quilting, or or? Nope, it's half done. Ah. So I can either rip it out and give it to my long armor, or finish it. So I think it's getting higher up on that UFO list. I mean, if I worked on it a little bit, it would get finished, right? Presumably, I mean, presumably, yeah. that's yeah, that's the theory. <laughs> and and how 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 many projects are on your UFO list now? Um, I think I have about four. I have a list, and it happens to be right here, so I can tell you. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven. So seven, but two. There's two that are in the quilting process, so that's nine. Wow. And one of the UFOs, I really, I decided I just need to get it framed, which is kind of a problem. I can't go to the framer now because right. they're closed. Oh, yeah. And another one is a hand English paper piecing project, so I think that's going to be on my project list until 2030, although I am trying to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> but it just takes a long time. Um, and one I just made a breakthrough on. It's I decided that instead of applique and satin stitching, I was going to use bias tape. So that might move along faster. It's, satin stitching, it's great, but it just takes so long and so much thread. And you have to change bobbins every 10 minutes. So... Not ideal. So I'm going to do bias tape for, there's words on it, and I'm going to use bias tape. And I figured that out after doing, after finishing another one of my UFOs, which had bias tape applique all over it. And that was really fun to, to do because the bias tape is already folded, so you don't have to do raw edge applique. It's already 
the raw edges are folded under, so there's no issue with raveling. Right. Very and I realize cool. that raw edge applique is a valid thing, but for that quilt, that's not sure. the look that I wanted. Okay, so uh, speaking of inspiration, what else inspires you creatively? Nature, books, music, movies? Um, I love flowers, so I do get inspired by flowers. And, but shapes also. So when I can, I take a walk every day just around my neighborhood now. And it's early in the morning. So if there's no fog, then they're really great shadows. So I'm constantly taking pictures of, of things with my phone. I mean, my cell phone camera is like my best thing ever. I take so many pictures of everything on it. Um, Instagram is is a big inspiration, and usually not quilts, but other types of of images. So I like to look at those. Usually, it's repetition. I like. I just saw a. I think it's somebody baking, like little cakes in the shape of popsicles and it's about 12 popsicle cakes and i just love the repetition there's all warm colors it's on a tray of like coral and then there's some light pink and some orange and some raspberry colored ones it's just great it's a great image um so different kinds of imagery especially if people have done a good job with the photography, I really like that. I see blocks that I really like. I saw some um, lozenge blocks, sort of lozenge plus blocks that they're doing in the Moda Blockheads project that I really liked. Uh, color is a huge inspiration too. And I can't really say what attracts me. Not brown. I do not like brown. <laughs> I try not to use brown. Although chocolate brown is creeping in. My sister loves turquoise and chocolate brown. So I've made her a quilt and some things. And I don't sincerely dislike that combination. Um, color is huge. I guess everything. Everything's fair game. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, if you if you were talking with someone who's intrigued by quilting but maybe a little intimidated to get started, what advice would you offer them? It's just straight sewing. I mean, that is the one thing that people don't understand, I think. And I also think that people are concerned about how big the projects are and you can do small projects. I've recently become really enamored of table runners. And partly that's because I have a beautiful piece of furniture in my dining room and I don't want the top to get scratched. So I've been making table runners. But like I said before, if I start something that doesn't quite work out, but I don't dislike the work that I've done, I'll make it into a table runner. Then I can change it on that piece of furniture with the with the seasons or as the mood strikes. So you can make small projects. You can make table runners or table mats or all different kinds of things that are small that are not quilts, even a baby quilt. I mean, that pattern that I'm working on, the baby quilt in it is like 36 inches square. Now, I wouldn't advise that because the pieces are one and a half inches in that I wouldn't advise for a beginner, but there are a lot of very easy patterns out there, very easy blocks. So if you really want to do it, then there's something there for you. I think it, I think people don't understand that you can go into a quilt shop and those, the people who work there are very happy to help you find a project that will work for you. And yeah, I yeah. advise taking a class as well because it's better to get into good habits 
right away than have sure. to retrain yourself. <clears throat> so I'm actually teaching a quilt class right now. There's two members of my guild who have made quilts, but told me that they didn't really know how to do it. And so I offered to teach them and we're doing it via Zoom and it's super fun. And they said they're learning a lot, even though they were practicing their quarter inch seam allowance and both of them made donation quilts in a week. So like, wow. you really don't need me. They're like, yes, so, we so do. What are you, do what are you teaching? Tell us about the class. What are you teaching? It's a sampler quilt class. So the first week was supplies and uh, I think it was supplies and talking about the different supplies that I use and what I, why I use those specific things. And then the second class was all about accuracy. Oh, no, we talked about color and selecting fabric in the first class, too. And that, I have to say, was a little bit of a challenge because right now during COVID, people can't really go to quilt shops and touch the fabric. And I'm all about touching the fabric. I like to know that it feels good. So I had to figure out a way to tell people how to shop online and get what they expected. So that was that was challenging. The next class was accuracy and that um, I used resources from other people like Bonnie Hunter has a great tutorial on finding your quarter inch. So I made my students go off and do that. And there's another one that uses an index card. I can't remember exactly where I found that, but um, they went and did it and they found that to be really valuable and then they made their quilt. So there's some kids in the Bay Area who will get some quilts eventually. So then yesterday we talked about squares and the two blocks were nine patch and double four patch. And I told I taught them about block structure because as I said, I think that's really important. And I showed them examples of different nine patches. So we all know just nine squares is a nine patch. But like I said, if you put a pinwheel into four of those squares, you still have a nine patch. Or you put a sawtooth star in the middle of a nine patch, you still have a nine patch. It's just more interesting. So we talked a lot about that. Um, next week is triangles. And I realized that in other classes I've taught, I've only talked about half square triangles and flying geese, but there are quarter square triangles and half rectangle triangles. And half rectangle triangles are kind of on my mind because of some donation quilts that I've made recently. So I asked them if they wanted all four, if they just wanted two, and if they wanted one class on triangles or two. So we're kind of working it out a little as we go along because I think last time I did it, I did just the two types of triangles. And then the following week I did um, Dresden plate or something, but they're really good students and they're really excited. So, and it's different on zoom than, um, in person, the last class I taught was at work on lunch hour, and that was just a whole different experience. So I have to make more handouts, and I can't wave my hands around very well. <laughs> or point yeah. Elaine, have you been teaching via Zoom, or are you in the classroom? I can't remember. Both. Uh. Yeah. And so today I had tech issues. They they had us, well, it's just not about me. Yes. It's challenging. Yeah. <laughs> so, but yeah, I, I did flap. The prep is a lot of work. And yeah, it is I mean, easily I, more than twice. Yeah. Um, the, basically, the class that I teach is on my blog. There's a, if you click on the tutorials, there's a, a section called quote class. And I have made tutorials for all the blocks. I mean, you don't get me talking. There are no videos. I don't have that quite down yet. Um, and since 
all this is free. I don't really feel like I need to. But I'm adding a lot to this class because I realized how important accuracy is. And I mean, people don't think that you have to be totally accurate. And that's fine. I mean, improv, I'm just hacking off pieces as I sew these scraps together. So there's nothing about accuracy in my improv quilt. But when I make a nine patch, I want those corners to match up. And if I'm making a Bonnie Hunter mystery quilt, I want those pieces to match up. That's important to me. And if it's not important to your listeners, that's totally fine. I'm only talking about what's yeah. important to me. Sure. Yeah, you have to figure out what speaks to your heart and do that. And I've not seen a quilt police badge yet. Right. So. Right. So the class, I mean, I go through um, machine applique and fusible applique and foundation piecing and curved piecing. So all and Y seams. Everyone's scared of Y seams. Go look at my tutorial. You don't need to be scared of Y seams. <laughs> um, it's true. Um, so, and the whole goal is so that people can make whatever quilt they want and not be scared. It's to give people confidence. The thing that makes me saddest is when someone says, oh, I could never make that. I want to stand my feet and say, yes, you can. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> exactly. exactly. I tell my I tell my students both in quilt classes and in my classroom, if you wouldn't say it to a little kid, don't say it to yourself. Yeah. You know? And I know that somebody told them in their past, oh, you could never do that. And that is so infuriating. Of course you can. If you oh, want yeah. to do it, you can. So either you don't have confidence or you don't really want to do it. Right. That's what if I you want to right. do it, you'll find time. If you don't, you'll find an excuse. Yeah. 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 So So when you are in in like a creative dry spell, like I am kind of right now, what do you do to get out of it? How do you push yourself out? Um, well, I take some of the pieces that I've cut over the past thousand years and just start sewing them together. And usually something super boring like a four patch, because eventually I'll get so bored that my mind will start thinking of other things and I'll be out of a dry patch. Or I'll start working on an improv quilt from my scrap bin. I mean, frankly, it's I haven't been in that state in a while because I've got my lists, I've got my pieces. Although I should knock wood because, you know, I'm going to wake up tomorrow and not be able to sew a thing. And <laughs> it's good to have several things going on. I do have things in different stages and different looks so that if I'm not feeling the, the bag that I'm working on right now, I can go sew some two and a half inch squares together and make some donation blocks for my guild or make some... Uh, improv blocks for another donation quilt or if I'm not feeling the quilt love then I'll go and work on a bag um, I think that it's good to have a few projects in process so that you can move around and think about something else while you're working on your other project I agree a lot of times I will I've found that I can resolve issues if I just let my subconscious work on it while I do something else. I also really like to pet my fabric. Oh, yes. <laughs> oh, yes. You can always tell a quilter when they go into a clothing store because we touch everything. <laughs> yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. It's a compulsive thing. Oh, goodness. Do you have a favorite quilt that you've made? Yes, I do. And... It is a quilt called Scrapitude. It was also a mystery quilt, so that was really surprising, by Charlotte Hawks. And she does a mystery quilt every year or so. And this one is called Scrapitude. And I really just went into my two and a half inch 
square bin and grabbed all the two and a half inch squares that I could find. And there were some other pieces. There are some triangles in that quilt and I can't remember. But the other thing, so it's really super scrappy. It's I wouldn't say it's a charm quilt, but it is super scrappy. The thing that made it really work is that I used dots on white fabric for the background. Not the same one, but different ones. And I selected them really carefully so the amount of white really came through. If there were blobs or dots that were really close together, I didn't choose those. It had to show up as mostly white. And that really pulled the whole quilt together, even though I used different fabrics for the background. And I've since done that with other quilts, and it, and it really works well. Sounds like I will go look that one up. Is it on your Instagram or on your blog where I can find it? It's on my blog. It's probably not on my Instagram because I don't think Instagram existed back then. (laughs) (laughs) So are there quilters that have inspired you along the way? I'm constantly inspired by quilters. Um, Recently, or maybe in the last year or so, I keep following Sarah Bond. I think she's SB Philly, I -hmm. think, on Instagram. But one of the things I love about her quilts are those curved flying geese. I know she's moved into stripes now, um, but I love those curved flying geese. And one of these days I'll take a class from her to learn how to do that. It is fun. I have taken a class from her and I've got one of, I've got my release, the geese. It's in timeout right now because the next step (laughs) is baffling me. But um, yeah, I I took a class from her as well. Go ahead. Fantastic. Is she a good teacher? Oh yeah. She's very good. She's very patient. Um, Wonderful personality. She's, she's such a dear woman. Yes. Love her, love her, love her. I yeah, wish I lived right. near Philly because I would go take more classes from her. But she does. She has been doing a lot on Zoom. I would just point that out. So follow her because she's been doing a lot of uh, Zoom classes for various guilds and organizations. Oh, um, excellent. I took, I took my first Zoom class over the weekend. Our guild has a member who is an amazing bag maker, and she gave a class for free, which I thought was super generous. I'm going to make her something or or do something nice for her because she did a great job and I never taken a zoom class or a video class before. And I was kind of reluctant because I really am a tactile hands-on person, but got to do it sometime since who knows how long we'll be stuck at home. And it was great. It was great to have my stuff where I could find it. It was great to be able to go into my closet and get a different fabric it was great to have some interaction with the other students and see what they were making. I mean, it's not like being in class with them, but it wasn't like I was alone watching a video class. So I thought it went really well. So I'm willing to pay someone now to try it. (laughs) Yeah, I've done several. I've done several. I took a Sherry Lynn Wood improv class. It was an all-day class, which I really liked. Um, I took a Kimberly Einmo uh, through Vermont Quilt Festival. She did a mystery quilt in a day, which was interesting. So um, she had instructions, and we sewed the first couple of clues. And then throughout the day, her her assistant would send out a clue via email. Um, and we were on Zoom pretty much all day making it. Oh, Yeah. Um, it's that sounds interesting. I know um, PIQF is coming up out here, and they're offering classes. So I thought I might look and see what they had if there was something that I wanted to take. But then it turns out that weekend is really busy. I mean, we haven't had anything on our calendar for months, and that weekend we have like three things all of a sudden. Yeah, so maybe isn't that how it always goes. Yeah, yeah. really. Yeah. yeah. So. Um, I get inspired by other people in my guild. I adore my guild. Those people are awesome. And 
I mean, I don't, who else do I get inspired by? There's a, there's some, I guess they're ladies, they're Japanese ladies on Instagram called Ayumi and Chubby. And I have no idea what they write about their bags, but they post the cutest bags ever. So I love their bags. I pretty much can't read their patterns or I don't even know if they have patterns because I don't read <laughs> Japanese, but they inspire me. Um, you know, I, I get inspired by people who make a lot of stuff. It doesn't have to be quilts, but people who just keep working because I really think that I get better by just making, making, making all the time. I love to make quilts more than once, even though I have a thousand things on my to-do list, because I get better every time and I refine the placement of the fabric. So people who do a lot of work um, inspire me also. Even though this isn't my work, I feel like it's my homework, not like homework like you would sure. get if you were a kid in school, but it's passion work and I want to get better and I want to continually make things. So that people who do have the same sort of aesthetic or um, drive, I guess is a better word inspire me as well. I think Elaine can relate to that. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> a little bit. Yeah, I get the question. Do you sleep? Yes, I just sleep fast. <laughs> <laughs> well, so I mean, what kind of sewing I, machine do you say again? I I have to I need at least seven hours of sleep a night, so I am all about efficiency. Leaders and yep. enders are totally my friend. Oh yes. Um, I Pretty much after nine o'clock, if I'm sewing, I'll be ripping it out the next day. So when I leave my sewing machine, I always know what's next for my project or my next, my five projects. So yeah. I like being efficient and I'm always looking for the next thing that will help me get more done in the same amount of time. Yeah, I call it parking on an uphill slope. I will have my next stack pinned and ready to go running, run through the machine the next time I sit down. Because a lot of times when you go into the sewing machine, there's a warm up period where you look around going, well, what am I going to do? And this way I already have that. So warm ups already dealt with. And I like to do that. Exactly. So, that's a great way to describe it. And that's exactly what I try and avoid. Cause I don't want to wander around my sewing room. If I, only have an hour, I want to be sewing that entire hour. Exactly. Yeah. And um, it also helps me remember to turn my iron off. And well, I unplug my iron every time. I don't just turn it off, but turn everything off. And so I will turn off the iron and then pin and then touch the iron to make sure it's cold. And then I leave. That's a good idea. And so it's just that a series of checkpoints to be able to leave my sewing room. But, but it also guarantees that I have something to do the next time I have five minutes. Right. So, yeah. And I'll, I'll sew in between the steps to making dinner. Oh yeah. As the pasta water's boiling. I'm, I'm <laughs> yeah. No. That's five minutes of good time that you can get something sewn. Oh, Absolutely. Absolutely. I learned to do that when I had a toddler and a preschooler, and it has been an invaluable life skill. Exactly. Exactly. When my son was small, that's exactly what I did. Oh, yeah. So do you so, have a favorite notion or ruler? Well, my absolute favorite ruler is a creative grid, four and a half by eight and a half. Me too. Uh, you like that one? <laughs> yes. And uh, I lost it for about six months. I finally bought another one and then found it. So now I have two. Put it in your to-go bag. Put the second well, one in I your think that's bag. where it was. 
So or you I'm can send me your extra. No. I'm a, <laughs> I'm a firm believer that what's in my sewing room stays in my sewing room. And anything I want to bring to sew day or whatever, that's a whole separate uh, group of supplies. Now, I realize that not everyone can afford that. But I've also been doing this for a long time. So I've had time to collect. But right. Yes. I One of the tips that somebody told me about rotary cutting is use a ruler that fits your hand. And I have to qualify that. If you're doing a long strip, obviously you need a long ruler, but use a ruler that's fit for the job. If I'm cutting a bunch of two and a half inch squares, I don't need a 24 inch ruler. I need something small. And that four and a half by eight and a half creative grid ruler fits my hand really well. I also love specialty rulers. I'm trying not to buy them because there are so many that I have that I don't use. But uh, <laughs> the Deb Tucker Split Rex ruler is a super favorite right now. I love making those half rectangle triangles with it. And um, I guess my next favorite is a wing clipper. That's also by Deb Tucker, and that makes flying geese. I mean, it helps you make flying geese. I did an exchange with a friend a few years ago where we made two flying geese every week and sent one. And then once a month, we would send one of each week's to the other person. So I ended up with a whole bunch of flying geese. And I used that ruler, and it's great. So I have a, a list of supplies that I like and use on my blog, too. I just started it, so it's not totally complete, but that ruler is definitely on there, the the four and a half by eight and a half. Oh, yes. I love it. Yeah, it's it's just a fantastic little ruler for cutting short bits. You know, exactly. For cleaning up small seams, et cetera, squaring up little corners, things like that. And that. And that's the ruler that I've been using to cut the improv blocks for my donation quilt. So the blocks start out at four and a half by eight and a half after I've cut them from the slab. And so they end up being what, four by eight when I've sewn them, four by eight finished. Because that's a good size. Right, yeah, it's right there on my sewing table. It's convenient. Why not use it? <laughs> Exactly. And it's small, but, but you can lose it for six months. I'm just saying. So just be careful. Well, <laughs> I was so bereft. <laughs> Jeff heard me complain about it for months. <laughs> where is it? Oh, goodness. So where can people find you online to learn more about you, your quilts, potentially your Zoom classes? Um, if they, my entire quote life is on my blog at artquiltmaker.com slash blog. And you can see what I'm doing now, or you can see my gallery of most of the quotes that I've made. And on Instagram, I'm Jayla Pack, J, letter J, L-A-P-A-C. And... Let's see, what else? I think on Twitter, I'm Art Quilt Maker, but I don't go onto Twitter all that much right now. Uh, maybe after the election. Um, yeah, it's a minefield right now. If people want me to teach them, they should leave a comment on my blog or email me um, about it because I don't really have that information on my blog. Um and it's better if you come with a group of two to five people, I think. It's more worth it for me. Um, and I do charge for that. Um, and I, I don't know, where else could I be that I'm not thinking of? <laughs> I think everywhere. On TikTok. Oh. And yeah. <laughs> no TikTok. Yeah. I'm not on TikTok. I don't post YouTube videos. No Snapchat. So. I don't do Snapchat, for which my son thanks me. <laughs> oh, right. 
great. Well, again, we've been speaking with quilter Jay Lapache. Jay, thanks for doing this interview. Oh, it was great to talk to you both. And thank you so much for commenting on my blog. Great. And thank you, Elaine. Oh, you're welcome, Jeff. It was fun talking to you again. Thank <laughs> you.